Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. What an amazing season it is as we journey together toward Christmas. The word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so we use these weeks leading up to Christmas as a chance to celebrate the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world. Advent is a season of great anticipation, and I'm delighted that you're here with us today as we embark on a journey. Actually, as we join in an epic journey that began more than 2,000 years ago, and follow the star and discover the light of the world. It's a journey of the heart and soul, but it's also a journey that will realign our expectations and experience of this Christmas season. And it's a journey that will explore the gifts of Christmas delivered by and through Jesus Christ. Hope, love, joy, and peace. We all need hope in the storms of life, love that never gives up, fresh joy on our journey, and peace no matter what we're facing or dealing with. The star, A Journey to Christmas, will center on the star as our guiding light. Now the star of Bethlehem has taken a central place in the traditional Christmas story, but its mention in the Bible is actually very brief. In fact, the record of wise men, magi from the east, who followed a star, is only mentioned in Matthew's gospel account of Jesus' coming. Matthew chapter 2. There's much discussion by scholars and scientists about what the star actually was, who the wise men were, when the cosmic event of its appearance took place. But apart from those debates, there remains the truth that the star of a light of a star led people to Jesus, even if they were still on their journey the actual night Jesus was born. You understand that Most scholars agree that the Magi showed up in Bethlehem some 12 to 18 months after Jesus' birth. But the star, then and now, is a guide that ultimately leads to Jesus, the light of the world. And as we embark on this journey together, I want to encourage all of us to look for the light. The Advent season's about the journey as much as the destination. As we'll discover, it's a time to prepare, maybe to pause and wonder. It's a time to breathe deeply and turn our focus to the true meaning of this time of year, a season that can be so hectic and stressful in our culture. No matter where you find yourself today, you are invited into this journey. I mean, think for a moment about the people who were a part of the journey toward that first Christmas. Mary, Joseph, a jealous king, some wise men, common shepherds, angels, and so many more. While the pace of our lives today would probably make their heads spin, each of these people were facing daily difficulties that we would want no part of. They didn't have all the answers. They hadn't spent hours getting ready and making sure they were prepared for the supernatural events awaiting them. They didn't even understand what was happening All the time, even when angels appear and a star guided their path. 
But all of the Christmas story cast answered God's invitation to come and to see the arrival of His Son, the light of the world, the Savior of all. Will you say yes to the journey? Will you step toward the light of the star during this Advent season? Will you come with me to Bethlehem, drawn by the hope, love, joy, and peace that await? The star, journey to Christmas. This morning, inspired by the lighting of the first Advent candle, our first lesson in this series brings us to a journey of hope. Hope's an interesting word. Dictionary defines the word like this. You see it in your notes. The longing or desire for something accompanied by the belief and the possibility of its occurrence. Now both the Hebrew word, tikvah, in the Old Testament, and the Greek word elpis in the New Testament may be translated expectation or anticipation. These Bible words imply much more than just a mere wish. The implication is much, much stronger. Hope with certainty. Hope with conviction. Tikvah used over 30 times in the Old Testament. Many of these are found in the book of Psalms. Here's just a few examples. Psalm 25, verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 31, verse 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in The Lord. Psalm 33, verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Tikvah, used many times in the Old Testament. Those are just a few examples. Now, Elpis is the Greek word and used some 50 times in the New Testament. Here are some better known examples of that. Romans 15 verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. Hebrews 6 verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So how do we follow the star on a journey of hope? How do we purposefully live this season of Advent in light of hope? Well, as I see it, it starts with acknowledging the darkness. Acknowledging the darkness. I have here a flashlight. Right now, it doesn't seem too exciting, does it? (laughs) I can tell you're just really impressed. (laughs) It's actually kind of hard to even see the light that it puts out. Our worship auditorium is already well lit with both natural light through the windows and artificial light. However, if we gathered back in this building tonight at 10 p.m. and we turned all the lights off, we might feel a little bit differently about this little flashlight. It would certainly appear much brighter when it shines in total and complete darkness. 
I find it kind of amazing that God chose a star to guide the wise men to Bethlehem. Throughout the Bible, we see how God uses His own creation to reveal Himself to us. In fact, let's read Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4 out loud together. Would you read it with me? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Isn't that interesting? See, God's glory is seen in the stars. But you know, one thing about stars is that they can't be seen in the light. It's the same as this little flashlight, only on a much more celestial scale. They're there if we walk outside and look up. We know they're there, but we can't see them. Because, in fact, they are best seen on the darkest of nights. When there is no moonlight away from the lights of the city. The darker the setting, in fact, the brighter it seems the starlight. Now this time of year, holiday glitz can artificially light our lives. Or we may seek out our own flashing distractions to try to distract us from the growing darkness within. But facing the darkness and calling it what it is allows us to see the true light. It's when we acknowledge the darkness that we can actually see the star that leads us on the journey. And as we journey toward Christmas this Advent season, let's be honest about the darkness we find ourselves in. Both the darkness in the world around us and the darkness within our own hearts. It is into that great darkness that an even greater star, Jesus, appears to light the way. Now the Bible tells us it was a pretty dark time for the people of Israel when Jesus showed up. The Old Testament prophets had prophesied of a Messiah. In fact, there are some 332 different Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. One of these prophecies is found in Isaiah 9 and verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The people of Israel had waited hundreds of years for this prophecy to be fulfilled. They lived in the space between the promise and the fulfillment. Now looking back, it's easy for us to see how the first Passover, when God spared the firstborns of the Israelites in Egypt and set them free from slavery, foreshadowed the coming of Jesus, the Passover lamb. But the Jewish people didn't have the benefit of hindsight as we do. They were desperate for a deliverer. Honestly, many of them thought that God had forgotten them as they lived under Roman oppression in the time of Herod. Today, we share that common experience of darkness and desperation. Haven't you said to yourself, what is this world coming to? And nothing, in fact, can rescue us except God. And the beauty of the journey of hope is that we see in what seems to be the darkest hour, God shows up. 
we can find and continue to draw hope knowing that Jesus entered our darkness on that first Christmas. The Holy Spirit will fan even the smallest spark of hope within us and draw us onward toward vibrant daily hope in the work of Christ to overwhelm the darkness of sin and death. It's not an instant process, but it is a real process that gives us hope, the hope that we need to get us through the journey. So a journey of hope begins by acknowledging the darkness. Second, we may purposefully live this season of Advent with hope by embracing the weight. Embracing the weight. I mean, who likes waiting? Anybody here like waiting? We live in a world that does everything possible, in fact, to reduce the amount of time that we spend waiting. I don't think that most of us here today would do would have done very well back in Bible days. The people of Israel knew all about a long wait. Since Genesis in the very first book of the Bible, when sin entered the world, we see that God offered the promise of hope. In Genesis 3 verses 14 and 15, God cursed the serpent that tempted Eve and said that through her offspring will come one who will crush the serpent's head. That was Jesus, of course. The source of hope from the very beginning. See, God had a plan right from the start. But constrained by the time of our world we live in, the waiting seemed like forever. Imagine a farmer standing on the dry dust of a parched field and looking up to the sky. Years of drought have taken everything from him and he has lost hope. But then in the distance, he hears the rumble of thunder, the promise of rain. That's the very image that John the Baptist gave of himself when people asked if he was the Messiah. He said, no, I'm not, but I'm preparing the way for the long-awaited one. He is soon to come. He was the herald of hope. In fact, the message translates it this way, I'm thunder in the desert. Make the road straight for God. See, Advent is a time of waiting. Now, while it feels unnatural, there's a great benefit in embracing this season as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. The waiting reminds us where our hope is set. It allows us the time and focus to hear the distant rumble of the thunder, the promise that our hope will, in fact, be fulfilled. And while we wait to celebrate Jesus' birth, we also wait for our true hope, which is to be fulfilled when Jesus comes yet a second time. This will be our ultimate fulfillment of our deepest hope. The Apostle John describes it this way in Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. That's our ultimate hope right there. 
And yet the reality is, we live in that space between what already is and what is yet to come. And so our challenge is to embrace the waiting with hope, to allow the hope to carry us through the wait. You could say that hope fuels our very faith. It draws us onward, giving us expectation that our belief and longing will in fact certainly be fulfilled as God has promised. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 puts it this way, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So will you allow this Advent season to serve as a reminder of the confidence that we hope for and the assurance of what we do not yet see? Will you seek the light of the star, no matter how faintly it might first appear to you, and draw from its growing light, embracing the weight? But there's one more step in a journey of hope. Third, we may purposefully live this season of Advent with hope by committing to the journey. Committing to the journey. Now, I don't know about you, but when I picture the words waiting and journeying, I see two completely different images. One involves sitting around. The other involves moving. But what we must understand is that in the Bible, the concept of waiting is one of active waiting. We wait with expectant hearts, but we're constantly moving forward on our journey as we wait. In his book, Waiting for God, Henry Nguyen describes the waiting we see in Scripture as very active. He writes, active waiting means to be present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where you are and that you want to be present to it. What an excellent description of Advent, that is. Waiting means being active, present in the moment, while still anticipating where it is that we are going. And that's not easy. That takes strength and courage, which we draw from the very source of our hope, which is the Lord. I read Psalm 31 verse 24 earlier, but this time let's read it out loud together. Would you read it with me? Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So what does that look like in real, everyday life? Peter gave us a glimpse when he wrote in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Yes, hope is about waiting. But waiting also involves a commitment to being in the present in our journey of obedience. These words alert and sober are active words of expectation and anticipation. And the good news in all of this is that wherever you might be on your journey today, it's okay. God takes you right where you are. And He meets you there. And you just need to follow Him. Day by day. Moment by moment. Step by step. In His light. Yes, Advent is about preparing. And you just have to show up and be willing to follow God's lead. And wherever you are, I want you to know it's not too late. 
God's timing is perfect. And He wants to fill your heart with hope as you commit yourself to the journey not only through Advent, but the journey of the rest of your life with Him. The star. A journey to Christmas. This morning on this first Sunday of Advent, we focused on our journey of hope. So how do we follow the star on a journey of hope? How may we purposefully live this season of Advent in light of hope? By acknowledging the darkness, by embracing the weight, and by committing to the journey. Let me close by reading this story. Years ago, there was a wealthy man who, with his devoted young son, shared a passion for art collecting. Together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed father looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. But the day came when war engulfed the nation and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram that his beloved son had been killed while carrying a fellow soldier to safety. On Christmas morning, a knock came at the door of the old man's home. And as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was a friend of your son. In fact, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. I'm an artist, said the soldier, and I want to give you this. And as the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of his son. Though the art critics would never consider the work a piece of genius, the painting did feature the young man's face in striking detail and seemed to capture his personality. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was in anticipation. According to the will of the old man, all of the artworks would be auctioned. And the day soon arrived and art collectors from all around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. The auction began, however, with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. And the room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Minutes passed without a sound from those who came to buy. From the back of the room, someone callously called out, Who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget it and go on to the important paintings. There were other voices who echoed the same agreement. But the auctioneer replied, No, we have to sell this one first. Now, who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. I knew the boy, so I'll take it. I'll bid $100. I have a bid for $100, called the auctioneer. Will anyone go higher? After a long silence, the gavel fell. Going once, going twice, gone. 
and cheers filled the room and someone was heard to say, now we can get on with it. But the auctioneer looked at the audience and announced that the auction was over. Stunned disbelief quieted the room. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all of these paintings? There are millions and millions of dollars worth of art here. We demand that you explain what is going on. And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of Father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Folks, that's the essence of the Christmas story. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. The Bible puts it like this. In fact, read 1 John 5 verses 11 and 12 out loud with me as we close. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Pretty simple, isn't it? The will of the Father. The star, you see, leads us to Jesus. Advent's all about Him. You know that, right? Christmas is all about Him. That's why we have this center candle lit all month long. Because He's at the very center of it all. Life is all about Him. Our hope is only in Him. Got to get that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for teaching us today about hope. As we begin this Advent journey together, I pray that hope would swell within us this morning as an anchor for our soul, as something firm and secure because it's all about Jesus. It's all about You, Lord. I pray that all the lights and the tinsel and the commercialism and the dazzle of Christmas around us this year would not distract us from You, Jesus. Our hope is in You and in You alone. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who does not know that hope personally, that he or she would take care of that business even this very moment. We pray in Jesus' name.